0: Ready graphics? Ready theme? q one Good evening. For your information tonight...
1: we talk civil. Should we talk civil, please? Shall we talk civil? I mean, I don't know what you want to talk about, Sybil. We would love to hear anything. anything about. Sybil. Also, we can turn off the mics and you can no. tell us stuff about Civil. Talk Sybil for that real about civil. don't want to talk about. But uh-huh. that is
0: up to you. How much do you want to know?
2: <laughs> Everything.
0: Everything. <laughs>
2: Hi, I'm Jesse Mullins. And I'm Lauren Milberger. And this is FYI, the Murphy Brown Podcast. Hopefully you listened to part one. Please go back
1: and listen to part one. Um,
2: we hope you enjoy this one. Uh, please let us know. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on social media at MurphyBrownPod, website MurphyBrownPod.com, or you can email us at MurphyBrownPod at gmail.com. Please enjoy. Russ Woody, Bye. Bye. I have a question for, um, I know we also want to ask you about your time on Sybil, because we both loved it we so much. Love it. Um, we also grew up on that. But yeah. before we get to that, I actually want to ask, we've so far only talked to writers who were part of a duo, part of a writing team. Oh, um, that's And true. I wonder what that was like for you as um, often credited as a single writer, what it was like for you in the room and working that way, not having the person to shout at across the room.
0: I think it's a, I think it's the same for those guys who were partnered. Um, uh, because in the room, everybody's on their own. So it's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing. But uh, I, actually, Tom Seeley and I were partnered for a while years before Murphy, um, and it was very amicable. Um, we, you know, we went separate ways, and then we ended up on Murphy together. So we're, you know, and we're great friends. Uh, but uh, I, I just I like here's my problem with a with the, the teams are great, especially for comedy, because you know it's, you need somebody to kind of bounce things off of with comedy. But what I don't like is Very often I'll I'll, I'll come up with something that I know is isn't quite there, but and I can't even describe it. But it's a thing that's kind of there, and I know I can get to it. I know I can get to it if I just, you know, let it fester in in my brain. Um, If you have a partner, you can't do that. You know, you know, you say I I got a thing, but I can't tell you what it is. They go, "Hmm, that doesn't do us any good at all. So, uh, and I love the individuality when you're with a partner, you know, you, you, you have to meet at a certain time together. So you have to obligate your time. Um, and, and wait, 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 do you guys write together?
1: No, no, we no, haven't. But we were thinking, I think we're both thinking of the fact that that's how the podcast works. Yes. Oh. We both, we have to be here together to do this. Yes,
2: yeah. <laughs> we can't, it doesn't work for us to have a conversation at two different times and then just ADR it in. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I But I actually, I did want, once try to work with someone and my, the problem was is I wrote ahead of them because we were they were a little bit slower than I was and I wish I, I'm not that mm-hmm. fast anymore. But, and and so that's when I sort of realized that I couldn't, Based on that situation, that I couldn't work with a partner mm-hmm. because I was my brain was just going a little bit faster, and and not even faster than another person, but my ideas were were already sort of going, and I wasn't able to pause myself mm-hmm. to come back meet with that person, and so I wrote too much. I found in
2: uh, in the theater company I work with, uh, when we write, we do like m- kind of monthly sketch and small scene work, and I found that I usually write by myself. We also have a kind of our own writers' room. as a jury process where we our pieces go through and we get feedback. But when I have worked with someone, it's always been when I'm trying to write a style that I don't normally write in. Uh, I have a a fellow writer who writes. She just writes the really big. In kind of insane high concept scenes so easily and I'll have the concept and the idea for it but a lot of mine tends to be banter and patter mm-hmm. and and a more of a, a natural conversation style so I'm like I want to go there I don't want to neuter it by writing it by myself because I feel like there's this there's this attacker approach that I haven't quite nailed down yet and I'll go to her I'll go to somebody who does that style really well And then run it past them. Yeah, but it usually comes from I've already done the vomit draft.
0: Right. Mm
1: Mhm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Uh, I find uh, a lot of teams. I mean, each team has a different way of working together. Stephen, Stephen, Gary. I think one would uh, maybe Gary would do the do the what is this thing called the computer typing typing the
2: the typing on the keys. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that thing, and uh, (laughs) uh, and the other would do the. Pacing and talking, and they'd throw in with each other. Some writers uh, who are teams do every other scene. And I know of one team, <laughs> this seems like the most insane way to, to do a team is they would both write a draft of the script. And then they. Oh, try,
2: and then compare them?
0: And they try to figure out whose was the best. Uh, by uh, oh,
1: So it's like a competition. That doesn't sound like writing together. That just sounds like competing with each other. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I I don't know how
2: they don't kill each other. Yeah,
1: I don't know if I like that. Though I can
2: also see it. So
1: for me, I think that
2: depends on at what point do they separate to write. Mm -hmm. How much of it has already been talked out? Like, do they know this is this is just the inciting incident? Go, Mm -hmm. or is it that plus we outline this is the structure. Now, how do we write it? Because then you can kind of weave like a zipper.
1: Back together, yeah, I could see that, but I
2: it sounded Ooh, like I want to pick those brains, I want to know how that works. Yeah. The typing
1: it... thing reminded me uh, there's a documentary coming out that I got to see a rough draft of on Gilda Radner called Love Gilda. Um, I helped a little bit with it, and apparently, which I didn't know until this documentary, that when she was with uh, I think it was Radio Hour National Lampoon, um, she felt like she wasn't able to, as the only woman, get her thoughts out quick enough, that the men were always over- sort of overpowering to her at the time. And this is obviously the 70s. So she volunteered to type. And as a woman, they thought, oh, of course, she knows how to be a typist. Yes, women type. Yeah. And that was her way of being able to type in her jokes first. Brilliant. I thought it was so smart. That's
0: really interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, to tell you the truth, that's what um, I did a forum of that at Becker uh, when I was there. Because I I don't think I did really well in the room the first year. It was a lot of uh, loud people. And so I realized at a certain point, if I just took charge of the board, then I'm mm. in charge of what went up, mm-hmm. and I could turn around and look to, you know, and say uh, that's an interesting idea, or that's an interesting idea. Let's go this way or that way, and it and it gave me, <laughs> it gave me control of the room, a, a, a loud noisy room too, which I, I don't. <clears throat> I don't do well at trying to shout jokes uh, over the top of other people, and some people do it really well. So, <laughs> so I just sort of switched gears. But that's really interesting. That, that's that's very true. If you if you control the uh, the what you, uh,
1: Key- the keyboard. minutes the keyboard.
0: Yeah, that little thing that where all the fluid has to go through and it gets small. And, oh, never mind. Uh, <laughs>
1: Well, um, the, your show, Show's Room, I believe that it was Neil Simon's brother. Mm. I believe that he used to, because I always get confused which one it was, but one of them used to whisper into someone who's loud, probably Mel Brooks' ear jokes, and oh. then they would say them. And they would shout them. And it's in My Favorite Ear. There's a character that whispers into someone else's ear, and they say the jokes for them. That's right. Yeah. Should we talk, Sybil? Should we talk, Sybil, please? Shall we talk, Sybil? I mean, I don't know what you want to talk about, Sybil. We would love to hear anything, anything about also Sybil. we can turn off the mics and you can tell us <laughs> stuff about talk Sybil for real about that Sybil. you don't want to talk about, but uh, that is
0: up to you. How much do you want to know?
1: <laughs> everything. everything.
2: Um, I'm pretty sure I, so I will say as a child, I'm pretty sure that my mom started to regret introducing me to a character like Marianne.
1: Yes. We're big Christine Baranski fans. Yes.
2: And I, I definitely watched everything my mother did and of course, my mother loved the salty, brassy, mm-hmm. rough-around-the-edges women, which made me a ridiculous child trying to pretend to be Marianne.
1: And also, it's on Amazon Prime right now. And so a couple months ago, I think in the fall, in the fall, yeah, mm-hmm. I binged the entire series again. Me and too. And it's still... Oh, that's right, you did. Yeah. I forgot. Um, so it still holds up. It's still very funny.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, so you guys like that show?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: And you know it went through three regimes yeah yeah
2: we like marianne <laughs> yes we like marianne
0: oh, all right well, let's talk about marianne
2: <laughs> <laughs> but no i think i think one of the things i appreciate about it is that it's it's not a perfect show and it definitely has sure. its flaws uh, but the stuff that works just sings and it still does even with regime changes
0: i i, I agree I, and it's a shame i i kind of think it's a shame what happened to that show um it kind of got destroyed by in at least around the third it was only three seasons. Um, but uh Howard Gould uh he and I well I'll start with <laughs> when I first went in to interview I, I Jay Daniel was there and and uh Chuck Laurie and uh some others and
1: was Alan Ball there when you were
0: there? Yes he was. Okay. <laughs> he um he got out of uh um, Grace Under Fire because it was a little too crazy for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I I believe he said that working on Sybil, and I, so I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but he said is the reason that he wrote American Beauty. Yes, that was his break time.
0: <laughs> well, at a certain point, there was nothing for us to do, so Alan, uh, may, uh it's fair to say he made use of his time. Um, uh, yeah, he. In that first meeting, I, I was sent in by my agent, and and I, I really wasn't that interested. Um, and I told the, them why. I said, you know, I had some friends who worked on moonlighting, and um, he said it was a it was a it was, a, it was a problematic. And uh, they, uh, Chuck and the other, says, oh, well, no, 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 civil. Sybil's great. She's great. She's a team player. You say jump, she says how high. I said, oh, wow. And so, you know, I ended up going there. And um and then as uh as Chuck uh and uh Lee, Lee Aaronson uh Sybil was unhappy with um the um those guys and so so she so the scripts were sort of going away, until there were no scripts, and and Chuck and Lee went away, and then Howard. I'm sitting there talking to Howard, and Howard says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to uh, Carsey Warner. I'm gonna step up and take over the show." And I looked at him and I said, "Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We're almost out of here." And so. He he did, and he even even promised them we weren't we're, we weren't going to take a week uh, down, we weren't going to shut down for a week or two, we were just going to. So we t- we took over on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, I think. That was a multicam show, and we didn't have a script, and we did this thing. We had a notion by somebody. Those are always floating around and we did this – in those days it was called a gangbang where you pitch out a story, you figure out what the beats are on a board and then everybody takes a scene or two and then and you keep – and then you come together at 3 o'clock in the morning and you put the whole thing together and you read it and it's a piece of crap. But then you work through it page by page to try it so that hopefully by 10 o'clock the next morning you have a script that's in English. Um, and that's what we did the first week, and then we tried to get a jump on the next week's script, and the next until we, we, and we were getting a lot of cooperation from the stage, in those days. And then, <laughs> things began to change for us, uh, the way they had changed for Chuck and, and uh, Lee, and, uh, <laughs> So it and it just became a bloody uh, a bloody nightmare.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Our our first uh, week back uh, after the hiatus, our first week back, we had a. It, it usually takes I don't know a month and a half or so to get a script up and on its feet so that it goes into production and then you have a week of rewriting before you shoot it. Mm-hmm. Well, we had a script ready for that first uh, table read on Monday, and uh, that morning, I guess uh, Sybil had read it. Uh, earlier that morning if I, ha- I i'm not sure if i have the times exactly right but she called and said that she got a bad haircut the day before and that's what she would like this show to be about okay mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're like um, okay
2: <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> and um so that's what and, and that's how you get you're not just changing that week's script. You're affecting all of the scripts to come that are in the pipeline.
1: Well, how is it working with Christine Baranski?
0: She's lovely. She was. Uh, she, she is that type of actress that you, you – Ted Danson is this way, too. Uh, and very. Few, I, I can say this about very few actors, but she's the type of actress that you give a line to that's mediocre, and you hear it come out of her mouth, and you go, I am really."
2: she does a funny enough a a show that Sybil also guest starred on uh on the USA show Psych uh, which I'm a huge fan of uh yeah Sybil did a couple recurring episodes but Christine Bransky does one episode where she plays this again you know high status matriarch who's had just too much work done and her her husband has died and she's there trying to get them to figure it out And she does this three beat joke over the course of the episode where the conversation is over. She wants to leave and she just she's always behind glasses. And She just goes door and nobody gets it. And the way she says door the second time to indicate that they all need to open it for her is (laughs) so Mary Ann. But it's that thing of they just wrote a word and it sounds like a symphony the way she decides to do it. And it's my favorite part of that episode is every time she says the word door.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, she's uh, she's that type. She is – she also – her um, – this was a problem on, on Sybil because Marianne uh, – uh, Christine would deliver a line and it's – so she's – first of all, she's well-trained and, and so um, um, resourceful in her ability to deliver a line. But when she delivers a line, it's with all sincerity. And, and we hit a certain point in the show where – naturally a lot of the jokes were going to Christine and, and somebody w- was not happy about that and so we were told to change the script so that uh, the star of the show got all the jokes. So we had to go through each all of the scripts and change them, change the punchlines uh, for all these scripts and then, we, then it goes to the stage the, on the first table reading after that and it would be a setup line. And because Christine is so sincere in her setup line, they, you know she'd deliver this line that's not supposed to be funny, and the table would fall apart..
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then the other person would come in with a sledgehammer and, and hit, the, hit the line, and you know, it was polite after. Uh, so. Yeah, she, yeah, Christine was very, uh, professional about the whole thing and tried to stay out of the mix. Um, and, and unfortunately, I was sitting between the two of them when this finally broke. Uh, I think it was about one of the episodes that, (laughs) it was, it was a scene where I forget what the episode was about, but it was a scene where Sybil comes into the living room and it's dark. And Sybil is a gun advocate. She comes into the living room and it's dark, and the other story going on is that they've got a mannequin or they've got something that's sitting on the couch. Oh wait, mm-hmm. I do remember this. Do you yeah. I don't I don't think it ended up that no, it couldn't have ended up this way because Sybil's the first thing was Sybil takes out the gun and just blows this mannequin away and we're at the table and talking and, and I, I think it was Howard who said, Well, I'm not sure if she would just blow it because she has two kids living in the house and and her husband <laughs> and, and she doesn't know who this is on the couch, <laughs> and so maybe she wouldn't just blow him away. <laughs> and oh yes, and, and I remember Sybil's solution was well, maybe maybe Sybil gives the gun to Marianne, Marianne shoots him, and Christine said, "No, I, I, I really don't think I want to do that." <laughs> I forget how it ended, but. It was one of those bizarre conversations where you're going, ah, I don't, I don't think you walk into a dark house and just your own dark house and start shooting people.
1: Everything that I read about Christine growing up to me was the example of professionalism, mm. and I, I I remember taking that into college. And I would have a phrase that sometimes I jokingly put on Twitter, but I do mean it, which is classy like Baranski. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Uh, and anytime I felt that, because I felt when I was in college and I was in a show that I was a professional already, and I wanted to practice that. And anytime someone who, of course, was acting like they were in college <laughs> um, was unprofessional, I would repeat in my head, classy like Baranski.
0: Good. She's the
1: best. Was, that was my thing, so.
0: And she works. I mean, she yeah. works. not afraid to
1: work. Well, and she's one of those people that's just been in –
2: in so many things across generations Mm -hmm. uh she's just constantly working and always popping i mean the birdcage and i Mm -hmm. i remember seeing her by the way in boeing boeing and just she's kind of been in most in our lives yeah for yeah i mean
1: there are people who don't know she did a sitcom yeah because they know her too well for this yeah I've, hmm. i've had that on twitter yeah wait christine baranski did comedy well, one, yeah. you haven't watched The Good Wife because she does come. Yeah, I mean, but, she's the funniest part of The yeah, Good Yeah, but the fact that, yeah, like, she has she has these sort of sections of her career now and she's so good at it that mm-hmm. people forget, oh, yeah, like, or don't know because they're too young that mm-hmm. she did other stuff, so. Uh, you've written for a lot of strong women.
0: Mm-hmm. That Terrifying me.
1: <laughs> well, you also worked <laughs> on mm-hmm. Mad About You. Oh, Mad About You, yeah. But uh, uh, you were on, you were there in 94?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um Great. A little bit of a crazy uh, writing atmosphere. Um, It was – Paul uh, was terrific and and Helen very professional. Um, um, It was a little uh, crazier than I like it to be. I think by the time we started uh, the first script of the season, we only had half a script – and no other completed scripts, which is bad.
2: Yeah, that's bad. Uh, that's a rush to the finish.
0: <laughs> Usually, you try to have seven or eight. So, and then you're just running, as you know, in front of the train. Uh, but that was that, and it was um, there was a lot of miscommunication uh, up at the top, and I, and I, I wasn't up at the top. I was a, little, a lowly uh, little producer guy.
1: <laughs> but maybe as a final there was one thing that really struck me on on your uh, your website because uh, you've been writing novels now yeah yes yeah. and something for your recent novel um heroic heart you wrote in the midst of great hardship there is always funny yeah which is something we both agree with yes. you maybe want to talk a little bit about that
0: i I think it's a I think just pointing out a mistake a lot of baby writers make that they think to be funny you got to be right funny and uh, I believe that to be funny, you need to write serious, and then just turn it a little at the end, Um, and, uh, you know, and in my heroic heart, I mean, obviously, that was in, you know, a very sad situation, but there were, you know, there's an instance where um, my dad in the last couple days of his life, uh, people were coming over to visit, it was like a party, and um, he had a breathing apparatus and a, and a tank, and inevitably someone would come in and sit down and talk with him, and they'd, they'd put their food, foot on the, on the tube. And, and you know, we corrected a couple times, and then someone else comes in, and they, they sit down, and their foot is on the tube. And my dad takes his machine, he pushes a button, and he says – and it's a mechanical voice. It says, get your – Foot off the hose. I bleep myself, not very well.
2: It was great, uh, mm-hmm.
0: but um, but just in general, in general comedy. Not this is this is that's kind of dark comedy, which I found because uh, I did Hill Street and Saint Elsewhere years and years ago, um, and I did both ride-alongs with cops and and spent a bunch of time at, in an ER uh, in Burbank, and they they all have um a really dark sense of humor and they have to you have to to deal with some of the situations they do um and i i think it's it's a the idea that you can come up with something funny and make it funny is not funny it's it's there's not enough weight to it if there's not enough weight or truth to it then there's nothing to twist
2: I think that's. I mean, it's what we were talking about with Christine Baranski was the sincerity. Absolutely. Is what sells it. We talk about as actors that if you're doing comedy, you take it just as seriously, if not more seriously, mm-hmm. than when you do drama.
1: Truth in comedy. Yeah.
2: You like you. You laugh at the fact that these people are so truly in this moment, especially situational comedy.
1: Yeah. Madeline Kahn said sometimes you have to feel pain to be funny, although she was thinking more towards acting. Mm-hmm. But um, but she was very serious. Yeah. In fact, I think. Uh, uh, someone said that uh, sometimes she wouldn't know why she was funny because <laughs> she was taking it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, why were they laughing? Uh,
0: two things. Um, first of all, Danny DeVito, uh, um, Louis De Palma on Tax, is a guy who, I mean, you look at that character, he does not think he's funny at all. His his world is absolutely serious because he has tunnel vision and he doesn't see the big picture in it. And that's a problem with a star who's in charge of the show is they're in charge of the big picture as well as the little picture. Mm -hmm. And that is a recipe for disaster or for unfunny. Um, But but Louie just, uh, you know, god that classic scene in Taxi where he's gone to apologize to Elaine for spying through a peephole at her in the bathroom. And he apologized. She says, Louie, he says, I'm sorry. Is that what you want? I'm sorry. She says, "Louie, that's not a sincere apology." You know, it's not going to it's not cuz she's he's going to get fired. And then some more dialogue and then he goes into this story about how he always has to go to the kids section of the store to buy clothes and it's, you know, it's embarrassing and it's, he always gets asked these horrible questions and it's, and it's one of the hardships of his life and the whole thing is very sincere. And Elaine says, "Louie, that's what I was talking about." thank you. Thank you. And she hugs him. And then he hugs her back. A thousand one, a thousand two, he drops his hand down to her ass.
1: <laughs> that I, that part I remember. Yep. <laughs> I remember the episode with that. It's yeah.
0: A, yeah. <laughs> he, He's such a perfect um, example of, of that. Um, I forgot the other one I was going to, I was going to mention, but um, yeah, it'll hit me. Uh, yeah. I, uh, there were a lot of uh, um, really interesting ways to go about getting to jokes. Everybody has their own. um, But uh, one of the things I see in students a lot, baby writers a lot is, is going for the joke above the, um, above the story. And it's something I see kind of in people who are really, really good at jokes is they tend to put a lot of weight on the jokes that they've put in the script. Mm -hmm. And if the, that makes it hard to change the story if you have to change the joke because they're reluctant to change the joke because they did such a good job on the joke. So the story ends up warping to meet the joke. And then the whole thing is goes away. It doesn't work.
1: This has
2: been so great, Russ. I'd love to ask in closing. Oh, sorry. No, it's been great. (laughs) And I know that we need to let you go, but I just, before we do, if you can, I'd love to hear any thoughts you have about, the revival and oh things I... you would like to see or have wondered about that these characters might go through so i
1: say that again because i talked right over you
2: how dare you s- i'm sorry how dare you I'm, ma'am i'm thinking of the editing how say it again. dare you ma'am no i'd i'd love to know what kind That's of horrible.
0: I... you would talk over her like that <laughs>
1: Yes. Oh. See now you can't cut it. Particularly because it's hard for me because I got to edit that. <laughs> really, it's about her. That's it's all all I'm about, about. her I'm ha- editing, I'm half listening to you and going, "Can I edit that, <laughs>
2: Lauren? <laughs> Hush." <laughs> I would love to know what uh, thoughts or ideas you might have for the revival. What you, if there's anything
1: you've wondered might happen to them. Are you also are you right on the staff or not? Or can no. you not say
0: you're I'm not. gonna write a okay. script uh, from here. And uh, we'll find a way to send it out.
1: Oh, that's great. Oh, so you will be involved. Oh, maybe that
2: uh, that uh, internet uh, email thing, maybe? That,
0: I think that may have gone by the wayside. In a week
1: probably two. by the time we post this. We've been speaking for so long. It's probably now. It's, now. It's, it's, it's in the past. Yeah. It's not that's a thing right. anymore.
0: I beat uh, uh, Peterman. <laughs> uh <laughs>
1: Yes. <laughs> We're using that to get everybody to yes, stay on longer. Exactly. We're just going to go them and go, you know.
2: Steve talked a really long time. a lot
1: longer than you.
0: Steve did? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sign me up.
0: <laughs> uh, um, I, I I read the pilot. I, I don't have many expectations at this stage of the game, and I've kind of learned <laughs> not, not to have expectations going into a pitch session or – Anything else? Um, I, I have a couple of stories that uh, one of them I, I really like, uh, which is probably put the, the death uh, death sentence on it. Um, but uh, it, it's tricky. I, I mean, most of these re- revamp shows uh, <laughs> they kind of they're not so good. Uh, so hopefully, you know, this will be um, a better shot at it. Uh, mm-hmm. And interesting to see where everybody's come. And a few of these guys are dead now. Um, Bobby mm-hmm. Pastorelli is dead, and Pat Corley. Mm-hmm. Um, so
1: and Jay, Jay Thomas. Yeah, and Jay Thomas passed away in August. You really?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't remember more about him. It's okay. I'll have to go see his, an episode. Now I'll talk about
1: Jake. Yeah, maybe when we yeah. get to one of his episodes, we'll bring you back for Jake. Corby says that when we when she listens to one of our episodes, it reminds her Steve said he watched an episode and then stories come. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you have to have something to remind you of the story. Yeah, we love that.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, we're actually when you say that there are a few that have come out already and with uh, varying success, uh, one of the things that we want to before the the revival starts is to look at the ones that have happened so far and see what seems to have worked, what seems to not and and also we talk about as fans how much ownership we have of if we're disappointed why or why not or if something really works why or why not and yeah. and especially with this one having so much of the original cast and creative team coming back makes us very helpful but also because they're coming in after several have already tried
0: yeah
2: and they've got some lessons to already learned from yeah. so I'm I'm very intrigued to see how this will go for them.
0: Will and Grace over here is great. Will and Grace they did a great job
1: they're doing well no I think it's very good yes and, and and that's an interesting mix too because they have some of the original writers and then they have some new writers which is my mm-hmm. understanding is what, what you guys are going to be doing as well mm-hmm. I think it's smart is there anything that you can think of any stories that we haven't covered I mean obviously you're happy to come on and talk about anything else in the future mm-hmm. I mean personally I'd love to have you on to talk about a specific episode yeah at some th- point there's one you'd like to pick we'd be happy to
0: have to watch uh, <laughs>
1: we can make that happen
0: i'll tell you about my uh my uh, lincoln story
1: oh i was reading about that on yes. your website that looks really interesting re- no we no, love I we don't. love history we we do actually, we actually oh, me? Me too.
0: Yeah. oh this has been fascinating I've been, on, I've been on it a couple of years and it's just been absolutely fascinating every day i work on it i i and i've been i spent about seven or eight months just researching before i even wrote
1: anything oh that's, that's a so question fun. I have that's actually relative to what something that I'm working on I am writing a play on well this is written but um on George Burns and Gracie Allen so I am familiar with research versus writing right what have you come across in I guess combating the idea of what actually happened and what is helping the story in a narrative way mm-hmm mm. Because I felt overwhelmed by the research, and it, uh, very early on, not recently, I was like, oh, that didn't happen. And then I had to let go Being of that. Being so true to it. Yeah, that, that, that is impossible.
0: Well, I had I had to make up one, or I did make up one element in this story. It's an expansive story. It's uh, eight-part um, eight uh, limited series, uh, half hour each, and... Um, And uh, that is a a curious uh, problem. Um, I mean, I always feel like, I mean, you got to kind of make it up yourself as as you go along. Um, I made up one element out of several, but I found so many funny incidences that actually happened. um, And I I didn't want to twist the story to get to one just because it was funny, but I found I could include a lot of them to get. In long, the basic reason I found there was a story was that uh, this guy, uh, Hannibal Hamlin, the vice president, was always a big advocate against slavery. Lincoln, on the other side, was kind of namby-pamby about it for the first couple years of his presidency. And then yet, you know, uh, now we think of him as the great emancipator, and Hannibal Hamlin is forgotten. And so I went 20 years uh, into, 20 years away from 1865, and saw Hamlin again before he died, to sort of play that out. To play out, was he bitter or not, or you know? Um, And I found so many things to support that, and that's the just the core of what the story is. So along the way. There were little things about you know Lincoln. I love the story. Lincoln was he used to love to sign pardons at the end of the day, and and so his secretary brings in one and he says uh, this pardon for a kid who's going to be executed. Uh, he deserted his regiment. Lincoln had a lousy marriage. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, he says he deserted his regiment to uh, run away. He went back home and he married his sweetheart. And Lincoln looks at it and he goes, Well, I'll sign it. But I have a feeling in a year or two he's going to wish I had
2: it. <laughs> I mean, that's always, a joke that still plays.
0: Yeah, but you can include that. And, and then the rest of the scene, you know, there's another scene where he, where he talks about he was a big fan of John Wilkes Booth. So I have him coming back from the theater and just talking about how great this actor is. And then the, the next part of the scene is, you know, is more on story when Hamlin shows up and, you know, he's Hamlin didn't um, <laughs> Lincoln basically ignored him. Um, Hamlin, the thing that got me interested in the story was Hamlin in, in the middle of the Civil War in 1864. He says, screw it. He joined the army and he became a cook at a fort in Maine while he was sitting vice president. And, <laughs> and I thought, all right.
1: I actually, shouldn't be surprised. I, they didn't take it, it, the job as seriously. No, they didn't. I mean, not seriously as in the job, but, like, it, it, it didn't seem to be as uh, high, you know. Well, they also, they're, they
2: weren't being watched.
1: Yeah. Or you know,
2: there's a little more freedom. Assassinated as much. It until.
0: Oh, while he was in that fort, Lincoln was almost killed twice by gunfire. He went, he went out. I, I'll go through this quickly, but Lincoln... Heard there was a battle out at Fort Stevens, which is the top of Washington, mm-hmm. and he and they said the, the rebels are coming in. We can get you. We need to get you and your family out to one of the boats on the Potomac. And Lincoln said, "There's a battle." He said, "Yeah, out at Fort Stevens." He says, "I'd like to go see that battle." And they go. Uh-huh. So they go out, and Lincoln is standing on a, a parapet, which is one of the earthen walls that surrounds mm-hmm. the fort. I know
1: that because of Hamilton.
0: Oh, I that know that ride? because
1: my
2: dad would take me to old forts and we'd talk about history. There's a line in Hamilton when they say parapet. Really? Yeah,
1: <laughs> sorry.
0: Oh, that's you great. Know I
1: that know that before I Hamilton. I sorry, I know oh, history though. Oh my goodness.
0: Well, I didn't know it before Hamlet. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just actually liked history.
0: She's always smarter than me on no, the show. No, I'm not. <laughs> They're standing on this big wall and watching the battle take place and the guy standing right next to to Lincoln was a surgeon, and he gets his leg blown out by a rebel bullet. Ooh. And everybody scrambles for cover except for Lincoln, who stands, who, who stands there. He's like seven feet tall with the thing, and he's watching. And snipers have now spotted him, and they're shooting at his head. And somebody says, "Mr. Lincoln, get down, or I will have you forcibly." To answer the general, he reaches up, he grabs Lincoln's arm, and he pulls him down. And Lincoln finally sits down. And I swear to God, this is true. He finally sits down and he says, yeah, I thought I was the commander in chief. It
1: was funny. Yep. Yeah.
0: Very funny. Yeah. So uh, uh, I I love this history stuff. It's Mm -hmm. uh, really interesting.
1: It was my favorite subjects. Mm -hmm.
2: It's all storytelling. I mean, it's all stories. It's how we came here. I, when you talk about research and adaptation into fiction, the thing that, usually happens is just truncating the action for the stakes for the, Mm -hmm. especially the older you get, the longer it took for things to happen. I mean, you just have to get the message there a little bit faster. You just need the uh, events to happen a little bit closer together. And sometimes in the same moment, to speed along the interest because and sometimes
1: you have to cut things and mm-hmm. merge characters. This is not about history, but my favorite story that I always would think of while I was writing the play was um you may know this, it's an Emma Thompson story. I probably know. Uh, where she was um, on a plane with someone and happened to mention that she was adapting sense and sensibility.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm and the the woman was like talked about her favorite character and she was like, Oh, I had I to cut her. I had to cut that one. And she didn't speak to her for the rest of the flight. <laughs> yep because <laughs> there were too many sisters so she made them all yeah not, not the the was like i think it was the brother had a bunch of sisters yes. yeah and so she just made them one
2: into or, one character yeah or
1: yeah. took them out or something and so yeah it
2: uh, happens a lot with the adaptation of that particular story yeah.
1: well there sometimes there's just too many people mm-hmm. you got to make a composite character mm-hmm.
0: so. someone say to me this is a historical piece so what, you, what there's not much to do right you just write it oh. down oh
1: god that's so wrong
0: <laughs> and i no. wouldn't talk to them.
1: Well, my problem was probably doing the research because I I wrote a vomit draft first based on one book that I had read, which is my favorite book on Gracie Allen growing up. And then I thought, oh, maybe I should do some research. Oh, no. And I went to the Performing Arts Library. And then it was like an HBO miniseries. (laughs) (laughs) There was too much information, whittle it down. And it was like, no one's going to see a four hour play, Lauren. So
0: (laughs) well, that's, I mean, that's what I there. I have 70 Lincoln books at home. And that's what I was up against, too, is just and then you, you just do the scattergun thing. You just, you know, just read here, read here, read here, and things that stick. Mm-hmm. Keep. Um, but I met, I was going to tell you, I met George Burns uh, years ago. Uh, oh, you did? Yes. He uh, he had an office down below me in uh, in Hollywood. And uh, I went down, my wife was here and her aunt was here, and... Uh, so took him downstairs and we went and he had his assistant was out in front and his assistant like young guy in his mid 70s I guess and uh, said so, you know we wanted to meet George Burns and George Burns would come in for like two hours a day and sit at the end of gigantic office sit at the end of it in his director's chair and smoke cigars so we went in and met and he had like cigar ashes all down the <laughs> in front of him and then. I went back a couple days later and I talked to his assistant and he said because I collect m- memorabilia and I said I'd, I'd like to have one of his uh, old cigars one that he smoked oh, and wow. I thought you know we're gonna get thrown away but the guy goes ah well come on <laughs> so he takes me back in George's office and he digs through the garbage and he pulls up a cigar and now I have a George Burns cigar oh that's great that's
1: awesome so when was <laughs> this how like how old was he at the time
0: he was right near the end. It would have been 95 or so. I think he died in 96.
1: He did. And then he he, he fell in the shower, unfortunately, and hit his head. So it was probably maybe right before he hit his head. Because after that, he, yeah. he wasn't in public anymore. It was sad.
0: Yeah. Funny. God, funny stuff, though.
1: Yeah. Oh, God, you he know,
0: one of my favorite movies, oh. too.
1: <laughs> it's Just
0: so good. Way past the... Uh, yeah,
1: no, and uh, and he, he loved a good story, so sometimes he tells the same story several different ways. He's a bit of a liar. And, uh, and so sometimes I go, Oh, I have three different versions of the story. I'll just pick the one I like. Mm-hmm. So there that's you go. also helpful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so thank you so thank, much.
2: Thank you so much for thank talking with us.
0: Thank you for taking us. the time out. Um, oh, thank you. It was fun. And I, I'll be happy, I'll view some videos next time because I forget yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, we have uh tons of thing tons of episodes to get Yes, through. we do. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: <laughs> Bye. Bye, thank you so much.
0: Thank you.